0: Never sees me, sees me, I'm losing every battle. Can somebody save me, save me, I'm losing every battle?
1: Hello, welcome to the Battle to Be Podcast. This is episode two, and before I introduce you to our guest tonight, I wanna remind you that this is a live, unscripted conversation. So I'm gonna give you a little trigger warning that we do talk about sexual assault, PTSD, and all of the things that the people on this show have been through, and I don't censor them, and I don't know what they're gonna say before we do this. So please be advised to be cautious for what you can handle, know your limits, and know that we are here to give you resources and hope and provide access to happiness for you. So all of these guests have beautiful stories, not only of survivorship, but also of healing and overcoming, and they are all making huge impacts on the world. My name is Krista Fee, and I am a Trauma Transformation Specialist with Sahara Rising. And this is our guest, Nicole Benecki, hey. and she is going to tell you a little bit about herself as a person and what makes her tick outside of all of this technical stuff.
0: All right. (laughs) Uh, I'm an international speaker and I'm also an empowerment coach for women and taking their voice and standing in their power. On top of that, coaching mothers and daughters on taking their crowns and really bridging the gap in that relationship that may be stressed or strained for the traditional teenage years and I run my course in kind of an infinity sign. The parents go one way, the teens go the other and they meet in the middle and we just continue to path. So I'm a single mom of three. Um, yeah. And I just roll with it.
1: So she's already revealed a little bit about why she's on this show, about what she's doing in the world to make an impact, even despite all of the traumas and tribulations that she has been through. So we're going to take a little bit of a step back so that you have the opportunity to know what brought her to where she is today and know that you are not alone no matter what it is you're going through. Nicole is an amazing, amazing woman who has survived many, many, Things so first we're gonna talk a little bit about her desire to join the military and how passionate she was about that and her whys for that and then she's gonna tell us a little bit about her experience with that.
0: All right, uh, let's see. I left home at sixteen. I was kind of a lost soul. Didn't, uh... yeah, family life wasn't the best. So when I was 17, I started talking to recruiters. I really wanted to go into the Marines, but I had had a discussion with my dad. I actually remember the day I had the discussion because I was driving home from the recruiter and he wanted me to go Air Force because my grandfather was Army Air Corps. And I was like, yeah, but dad, like my heart's a Marine. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but family is Air Force. And I'm like, so we had to talk about it. But, um, essentially I left for the military because I needed a safe space and it was a brotherhood and a sisterhood from what I was told. And it would, excuse me, essentially create a whole new life and a whole new world for me and allow me to accomplish the things I wanted to accomplish. Uh, And I wanted to be, I wanted to be uh, a drill instructor. I wanted to do the 20 years so I can have my life and move up in there I wanted to travel the world I wanted to do all these things so got through boot camp my recruiter's like do not volunteer for anything and the first thing I did was volunteer for element leader that was amazing and I'm one of the weird people I was like can we just do all like all branch boot camps is that a thing can we do that because that was amazing I, w- I was the weird one I don't know it was great. And then from there, we went to tech school. I was actually stationed for Germany and I think I got yelled at more when I chose to swap because you have the option to swap before you go with a, with another teammate. And I swapped for Offutt Air Force Base, Nebraska. <laughs> I don't think I got reamed the entire, in- Entire time in boot camp for as much as I got reamed that day for swapping. They were like, you can drink, you're 18, you could do this, you could do that. And I'm like, ah, but my mom, she's in Illinois and it's only a seven-hour drive. <laughs> so I swapped for Nebraska where there was a meat plant and the only fun thing for 18-year-olds to do was cause havoc in Walmart. So that's that's where I went. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. <laughs> it's still so sad. Um, And and then I got to my base, and then, um, let's see, I think I got there around June-ish, I want to say. And then late August, unfortunately, I experienced a military sexual assault by someone I was dating.
1: Um... I know it's hard to talk about.
0: I think I could talk about it better if I wasn't still fighting 20 years later. Um, But that's the problem. And with the VA is continuously making you fight for the evidence that's already there. Um, Conveniently, my records were destroyed after my police report was destroyed after seven years. Uh, The base no longer has it. Thankfully, Thankfully, I went to the hospital, and the hospital shows my records of military um, military rape. And had that not been there, my entire case would have been closed out. Um, so I'm still waiting on, I got approved for a second comp and pen exam. And for those who don't know what that is, that's basically a disability to determine the percentage of disability connection that you, if you get connected and um they basically see how jacked up you are in from the situation and how much it affects your daily life so that's where i'm at with it now
1: so you actually suffer from military ptsd
0: Hmm. yeah and in and- that war time i didn't go anywhere i was only um i was only in for 10 months um because it, it, I was actually scheduled to go out for nine eleven. I was scheduled to go out that Nov, um, that November, but I actually got sent. They gave me the option to retrain or to go home, and I loved what I did so much. I, I didn't, I didn't want to go retrain for something else because uh, I was security forces. I absolutely loved what I did, and I was so hard headed and so hurt that they just. <clears throat>
1: They couldn't make it better.
0: I just feel like I got tossed away like a piece of trash. And I still hold on to that. Um, And my value is still in that. So it's very difficult for me to hold relationships and friendships because any argument. I'm like, that's it. They're throwing me away. They don't want to talk to me anymore. I don't know how to process those things. Um, I did go through cognitive behavioral therapy in Mexico. And there's some other things I'll be working on shortly um, with you, actually. So um, I'm I'm just, I continue to look and search for a cure um, because it's (laughs) It fucking sucks.
1: So this is a side of PTSD that very few people know about. We talk about military PTSD quite regularly. And the assumption is that the cause of this is always being deployed or being in active duty, wartime, those life experiences. But the statistics that are attached to military sexual assault and military rape are absolutely astonishing, you guys. Uh, I just pulled some from the VA today that were reported for 2020 and they're always a little late reporting. So these statistics run from between 2016 and 2018 but they're saying on average 6.3% of active duty men and 24.2% of active duty women are sexually harassed. You Think about that. Almost 25% of every single woman that is in the military has reported being sexually.
0: I was going to say that doesn't include non, non-reported or the the stigma that comes behind it, how you get treated when you do report it. And then for males, I can't even imagine like, as a woman, you already feel and get treated like you're a piece of shit. Um, they were supposed to put on my DD form 214 uh, medical honorable. However, they put honorable personality disorder trying to say that it was pre-service. But once you graduate boot camp, you cannot, you you are, once you graduate boot camp, you are proven of sound mind to serve your country. So they are not legally able to go to say something is pre-service because I graduated boot camp. I've never been diagnosed with anything before this. I've never been to a therapist, like a psychologist before this. And I saw four military doctors no previous conditions. No previous conditions. No previous conditions. No previous conditions. I've had two doctors, three now, since I've been in treatment. No previous conditions. No previous conditions. And yet, 20 years later, I'm still fighting for fucking justice. I don't. And this- I have a lot of anger with this. I. I this is one of the few things I, I just, I can't fucking let go of it. Your
1: story is not, your story isn't, there are a lot of other people that have the same story as you. The statistics that I was talking about earlier, this report literally states that a third of victims are discharged within seven months of reporting and 24% separate with less than fully honorable conditions compared to like normal service personnel discharged is like 15% with, with something stuck on their discharge that is inappropriate or negative. They're saying 24% separate with, without fully honorable conditions. So what you're describing is happening a quarter of the time.
0: And it's sick. It's sick and it's sad and it's infuriating.
1: And I want you guys to to hear a part of this story that you might not have noticed. Nicole, 20 years later, 20 years after the fact, 20 years after she left the service, is still fighting, not for compensation per se, she's literally fighting to get the psychological treatment that she needs to recover from this experience, to recover from the disorder that this experience has caused and she's been now diagnosed with this disorder and the argument isn't whether it was caused by her service but 20 years later she's still fighting to get the help that she needs
0: what's funny is that in my documents it's it so I was told there's three areas they look at when you're doing a claim they look at did this indeed happen It states, they they acknowledge, the military acknowledges that the military sexual assault happened. It's in my documents that it happened and yet I'm still fighting. You, You tell me how the hell that works.
1: Right. So these are the conditions and the challenges that many of our veterans are facing. And the conversation about PTSD is a very huge conversation. It's it's going to take, like, we're going to be talking about this for years. This is my specialty, and it is just something that we're going to come back to around and around and around. But um, the reason I brought Nicole on was because I wanted to show you that even under these conditions, even with all of this weight, even with all of this trauma, and that she has still as of yet to get the amount of help and the quality of help that she needs, her determination and her passion for life have driven her to become a light for other people. So I want to show you not only a story of trauma and suffering, but I want to show you the other side of that too. And this woman is the perfect example of how to turn everything crappy that happens to you, And her story is so much, so much deeper than this military trauma. She's also struggled with domestic violence and she's currently raising her children on her own. And I would like for you, Nicole, to feel absolutely free to tell the other side of your story. How have you, how have you taken this to build what you have created now?
0: Like how, how, like the transition part?
1: Yep. The transition part.
0: So after, after the sexual assault, I went out inpatient for self-harm and suicidal ideations. Shortly after I got out, I had my daughter, met my ex-husband, went through that, got divorced in 2016. That was fun. Um, left with my three kids and we were cat two homeless, which is when you're, there's three categories of homelessness. There's currently without a home, there is couch to couch and, or hotel. And then there's been homeless for 90 days or more. So we were cat two. We were, our, our friends graciously let us stay with them. They had the room for us. So uh we just couldn't go home. Um, three months, two months later, I found a position where I ended up being co-owner of a kickboxing gym. I I was a cage fighter for some couple years. I'm like all over the place. I'm so sorry. But I was married at the time I became a cage fighter, but I used, because I was self-harming, I was still self-harming throughout this entire time. So one day my ex-husband said, I'm going to call the cops if you hurt yourself again. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't do that. (laughs) So I was like, what can cause me pain and make me feel glorious all at the same time while I'm learning something? I'm like, oh, martial arts. Hey, so I learned jujitsu, muay thai, and kickboxing and wrestling and a little bit of judo, but judo hurts a lot, like a lot, lot. So I was like, we'll just go to yellow belt on that one. (laughs) That was too much my back. I was like, I'm old. And it hurt. But um at any rate, I got divorced in 2016. We went through that. Uh built into ownership of the kickboxing gym. It it was just go, 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 nonstop, non-stop, non-stop, not taking on my mental health. And then we I had my last cage fight. In October of 2016, I think it was October 13th. A week later, I was an inpatient uh, again for suicidal ideations and for self harm, and that was a self check-in one. Actually, I told my friend I needed to go. If you look at my photos that week before, it was like it was just it was dark. It was my eyes were black. That's how dark I had gotten. I was just completely numb. I numb. I had crashed fully and completely. So hurt myself a little bit, um, my forearms. I get a lot of energy in my forearms. I know you and I have discussed this before. I get a lot of energy built up in my forearms. And what one of my therapists told me is that sometimes that energy manifests where you couldn't be free. But for me, being free, the only way to feel that free was was to cut myself because it's the only way I could get that energy out. So when i went inpatient i cried a lot and and didn't know what direction my life was going because we were going through the divorce i had the kids by myself i it was the first time i had lived by myself ever because i went from you know being at home with mom to living at a friend's house to the military to being with him so i didn't know how to be i didn't even know who i who the hell i was let alone being alone and adulting and dealing with kids and growing kids and growing myself at the same time. So I had a conversation with the universe or God or Allah or whatever the hell you want to call it. But I just wept a lot and I let everything out that I could. And I said, what is your purpose for me? Because I'm either going to be here for these kids or I'm not. And a week after I got out, I I cut again And then I was just, I crumbled again and I'm like, I have to do this. There are other people that need to know that they're not alone, that have been through sexual assault, that have been through childhood sexual trauma, that have been through physical, emotional, and mental abuse. And I have to be the voice for them. And I remember in sixth grade saying, I want to be a speaker. I don't know how I'm going to be a speaker, but I want to be a speaker. And now I know in order for me to have made a difference, I use the pain that happened to me as my power, because I know there's other people with a similar story it's not going to be the same story. And I know that, but it's going to be something that resonates with another woman or that resonates with a male that say, thank you for coming out about that because I've been holding on to this for so long and I didn't think others were out there like this. So it For me, it was a moment of transition and awakening of how am I going to use my pain for power? So in 2018, I, well, I started coaching in 2014, started cage fighting in 2013. And then when it came to speaking in 2018, I started speaking on mental illness, more specifically PTSD, recurrent depression and anxiety, and really using it as a form of healing for myself myself but also as a form of information and healing for others who have been through something similar to help help them know that as long as you can hold on for five more minutes, for one more minute, and more, more recently finding out that when you actually genuinely have a family behind you, I didn't even know what the hell family meant. I know I have my kids, clearly, but to have an adult family, I didn't even know what the hell that was or what that looked like. Until I met the Unleash You Now team and, and family movement and everyone in it, you and I connect. Yeah, I think we were both hard-headed and stubborn and we're like, I don't need an accountability partner. And then I ran off and someone was like, hey, will you be my buddy? And pretty much that guy and I jacked up the whole like routine. And I know this because I was told this. And then like a week later or a month later, I was like, hey, is my accountability partner still available? <laughs> and you no, know, it's been like, I mean, for you and a few others, it's been like something I've never experienced before in my life or have had support in my life and truly, truly like family and sisters and it, man, it, wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, I freaking flew to Texas because I like I needed to <laughs> connect with someone like minded and to just focus on business and growth and just have conversations that are outside the norm of the typical rigmarole drama that I don't connect with any longer. That doesn't resonate with me any longer. So if I have to fly out of state to go connect with my people. I'm going out of state to connect with my people to have a conversation and be in person and hug someone because I can't, I can't do the traditional people talk about TV shows. I'm like, dude, I haven't watched TV in freaking five years. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. You want to talk about a book? Let's talk about a book. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm weird.
1: <laughs> but you, you've touched on one of the most important factors of healing ptsd or any trauma spectrum injury or anything in life literally one of the most important aspects of resilience is your support system whether that is blood family whether that is friends whether that is a peer support group Whatever that is, if you go internal and you decide that you can do it all on your own and you just separate and withdraw from society, which is what so many of us tend to do under these circumstances, you have so much less chance of overcoming the challenges that you face. If you allow yourself to surround yourself with people that, as you said, like-minded people who are focused on the same directions, the same goals, the same objectives even if that objective is only healing, if you can surround yourself with that support team, you have such a better chance of moving forward and overcoming the obstacles to find your purpose and to move into the space of creativity and where happiness even exists as a possibility.
0: For the first time in my life, I've been able to trust people with me and have the ability to reach out and have the ability to say hey i'm not okay today um sometimes i'm still a little hard headed and i'm like hey it's been a rough week but i got through it <laughs> but i'm 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 learning that there are safe people out there and not everybody's going to Hurt you or break you. I've still gone through some shit, but um, you, you, I've, I've done the shutout and I've done that. I'm gonna do this on my own, and I don't trust anybody. I'm not trusting anybody, especially women. That was my thing because I didn't. I was a tomboy growing up, and the girls were catty, and I didn't want to be around that. And here I am, like. I don't know what happened. I'm just like, Queens, we're all Queens. God damn it. We rise. And, you know, I just, fuck it. We do it together because I'm tired of the bullshit. We have to support each other and, and we have to support our men as well because our men is just as fragile as us. And, um, I, I think us as women, when we connect, we're more open about what's going on with us. And I, I think it's, you know, I don't know if it's male toxicity or what it is, but I, I know guys are a lot more reserved. They're a lot more protective over their feelings or maybe, I don't know. I'm not a guy, but I, you know, just in talking with my son and how he was raised and how that's affected him by being told, if you cry, you're, you're gay or, or only, I can't even say the only F E G cry. And at 10, and being hit, hitting it, and then telling him not to cry because he's getting hit with a belt, and you're 300 pounds, and he's all of sixty seven. We've been through a lot. And I'm like, well, no fucking wonder. Like, and, and I was told not too long ago, like, I'm like, I don't think I'm a feminist. And my friend, my male friend, he's like, no, you're the right kind of feminist. You nurture the men and the women. And I didn't really think about that or what that meant at, at all. And I still don't know what the hell that meant. I'm like, no, I'm just a person um, who loves everybody. <laughs> I, I think we all just need to be nurtured as human beings because we all have feelings. We've all been hurt in some way, shape or form. Um, and, and it is, it's about healing. It's about making a decision to heal. And once you make that decision, the right people are going to fall in alignment with you
1: absolutely true and we do we have many societal struggles to overcome and in this talking about trauma it it's so much more magnified because of what what you said but the entire concept of feeling emotions or expressing emotions if you can't express your emotions, you can't express your pain. You can't express the traumas that you have suffered. And if you can't express them, you shove them down. They don't get processed, and that is where trauma spectrum disorders come from. That's where you get complex PTSD, PTSD, and ASD, like all of these different terms that you'll hear. Um, that's where they come from. Is those festering wounds that that you didn't allow or didn't know how or couldn't process that are just still residing in the body. And a lot of people describe that very similar to how Nicole described that with like even a sensation in a part of your body where you just have held pain, held energy, held suffering, and you just want to get it out. If you don't allow yourself to express you end up in that situation where you want it out of you. How are you going to make that happen? So we know you guys are not alone. What you're experiencing is normal. What you're experiencing is part of life's struggle. And find your people, find your support, find your community, find the help that you need because It is possible to heal, it is possible to get better. You just have to focus every single day on what you want your life to be. So Nicole has a program right now that is just getting launched and it will be available for women and teenagers and I want to give her an opportunity to tell you about that amazing program because if you have a teenager, I guarantee you need this.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's it's actually um, so I'm caged to stage, and not because I'm cage fought, I mean, it's cool, but more or less being kept inside of a cage and not being able to use my voice and then stage because that one's pretty obvious, but (laughs) speaking (laughs) uh, for me, I didn't have the relationship I wanted with my mom and I didn't, my, I was creating the same generational patterns that I said I wasn't going to do as a parent. And then being in a toxic relationship where the kids were also being abused, it was more of a creation of the same cycle. So when I left uh, my ex, I, I said, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity to create everything I've always dreamed and desired in a relationship with my children, which was an open relationship, a safe relationship, a free relationship where they have the ability to speak their thoughts and their mind and, and their feelings and express them in a healthy way. And I've done a lot of work with them, with myself reprogramming. Oh my God, the reprogramming. When I say the male toxicity, like the reprogramming of the mindset of women are not objects, um, of we don't degrade. We don't yell. We don't, Oh God, I'm trying to go through everything. We don't throw things. We don't, there's a lot of, we don't, and a lot of reprogramming that needed to be done, a lot of healing that needed to be done on my end. And a lot of, this is the generational cycle. I see it. I recognize it. I'm not fucking doing this anymore. This is how I'm going to recreate it. I reached out to their godparents, their godparents reached out to me. That's where we were staying at the time. Um, And and we just started the reprogramming within myself and, and within them. And it's been, it's been a constant cycle. And even with my almost 17 year old, I can't believe I was um, I can't believe Jazz is eighteen. Anyway, even with him, he he came to a point where he said, "Mom, when I act like this, I need you to call me out on it." And at the time, he was like fifteen, and I'm like, "You're asking that I call you out on your bullshit because I'm totally cool with it. If you're cool with it, because I don't want to deal with that energy." So I'm like. Because I have been pointing it out in a healthy way where, hey, dude, like, remember, like, you have to tiptoe sometimes and just sneak your way in and tell him, hey, like, remember, like, how you didn't like when dad did that, like, but you're doing it. So... He would get so upset. I'm not like him. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, okay, well, we're just going to take his back. And you let me know when you want to talk, but that's what you're doing. So I, he's like, mom, he, he came to me and I'm like, mom, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to be like this. How do I change? The kid was 15. Then I said, well, so we don't have another blow up. What is it you need from me? to let you know in a healthy way that, Hey, this is what you you're doing. Can you shift or how can you shift? And he's like, just tell me, I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure that's what we did, but you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, how do you need me to tell you? And, and we had that conversation. And since then, and even, it took my kids a year and a half to realize that they were not going to get hit that nobody was going to be yelling at them that we were going to have family nights, that we were going to have like regular date nights. I call them date nights solo where you have time with your kids more and want to get to know who they are. So um, the course is geared toward mothers and daughters, though. I have boys as well. I really, really, really. And I've, I've talked to a couple of people in our group about doing a male only one because I, as strong as I am in this area, I really think boys need to be with boys. And I, I'm sure a part of that has to do with a lot of the upbringing I had, but I feel safer if it's a woman with a girl and a male with a male. But for me, it's mothers and daughters creating the bond that they had always dreamed and desired. I don't have a bond with my mom per se. Um, We communicate through TikTok like once in a blue moon because there's been so much pain there that I'm not through yet that I didn't want that for my kids. I didn't want the non-acknowledgement or I didn't want the, well, I didn't know what I was doing. Well, no parent knows what they're doing, but I'm going to acknowledge where I fucked up. Yes, I fucked up here. I'm sorry. This is how I'm going to adjust. This is how I'm going to shift. How can I make you feel safe and comfortable moving forward? What do you need from me to feel safe and comfortable? And the more I started feeling myself and the more I would speak to them like they're adults, because let's get real, once once they're, we're just, we're just preparing them for life. They're educated. These are smart, young people. My son teaches me how to do this thing. I don't know. It, it gets broken and I'm like, fix it. <laughs> it, you, I think parents get in the stage of do as I do, not nice, not as I say, as opposed to let's walk through this together. And no matter where you're at in life, you have to be the leader in the areas of your life. If you're going to lead your children, then lead them with them. Let's walk through this together. Like I, the stimulus just came in. I give both my older two kids a thousand dollars and I did this because each of them have six bank accounts. This is what I told them. You have to manage your savings. You have to manage your summer clothes, your shoes, your braziers, your underoos, whatever you need for the summer. You need to include it in there. Whatever fun stuff you want to do with your friends in the next few months, you need to include it in there. You need to learn how to budget. So my daughter, she's great with money. My 17-year-old has, since the time he was little, 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 zero concept of money. He went and asked his sister how much clothes cost, and her response was, dude, they're expensive as fuck. So he readjusted what he allocated because he just he just thinks money grows on trees. I don't know where he got this from at all, but it's it's about recognizing who we are as the parents and what healing we need to do. And it's about giving them their voice and teaching them and walking with them and educating them on how to grow, listening to them on what they need Um, The week two, we go through breaking generational um, patterns and cycles. We go through limiting beliefs and, and what a limiting belief is and how you begin to break that. We go through building trust. We go through the parents have one route, the kids have another route. Then there's different exercises in the middle. And then one night, the parents get to talk. The teens don't get to say anything. They have to process that for 24 hours. Then the next night, the teens get to say everything they want to say. And then the parents don't get to say anything for 24 hours. All each gets to say at the end of the course is, thank you. I acknowledge what you said. That's it. So it's deep. It's deep. And then they have uh, activity day, uh, Fridays, early days. So the activity that we did for the week, we incorporated it in something fun so that there is – No electronic time, no TV time, no nothing time. It is you and your teen and connecting wholeheartedly, authentically, and with active listening so that you can rebuild that trust and that bond and that faith in each other that is needed and desired. And then at the end of the course, I send a graduation package and I'm not disclosing what is in the graduation package. It's just the bomb, okay? Surprises!
1: Surprises for everyone.
0: Yeah, and that starts April fifth, and it they are limited classes because um, even though it's an online course, we do have weekly check-ins for for the group, and then also one-on-one if if there's anyone who's any team, any parent uh, daughter team that's needing some extra assistance or needs to learn how to um, maybe manage a certain area, and we'll do the communication so that everyone's being heard. So. There's a lot of, a lot of time spent together with me.
1: So how can and I will of course add a link to the YouTube once this is posted. But how can mm-hmm. everybody get a hold of you if they want to jump in that course?
0: So you can get me on um, Cage to Stage C A G E T O S T A G E at Gmail. <laughs> Uh, Facebook Messenger at Nicole Benecki, Instagram, Nicole underscore Benecki, um, or you can hit my calendly link.
1: (laughs) We'll make sure we put that calendly link on the YouTube underneath this video. And if you want to take a screenshot so you get her name spelled correctly, because you know you're going to look her up later, go ahead and do that. And I want... For everyone to comment, share, let us know if you have any questions for either of us. Again, also please give a good little round of applause and thank you to Nicole Benecki. Give her a like, give her a follow. And again, my name is Krista Fee with Sahara Rising. This is Battle to Be and i will see you guys again on thursday we will have another amazing guest and a totally different kind of story and i'm actually not going to tell you about him i'm going to wait until thursday to reveal all of those details but you just don't want you just don't want to miss this man's story so be here thursday same time same place <laughs> Talk to you later.